If you have your Bibles, let's go uh, to uh, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. We're going to read uh, two verses, and uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have the scripture on the screen. And so Philippians chapter 4, uh, uh, it says this. I'm going to read it. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a, what a great verse. What a great couple of verses here. So we're finishing uh, a series called Press On. And we've been talking uh, about this, this, um, this whole idea of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to, to model the life of Christ in our own life. And so today is the, is the last uh, Sunday of the series, and next Sunday we're starting a brand new series. And so I want to make sure that you're uh, a part of the next series because we're going to be ta- talking about parables, the parables of Jesus. There's six parables that we're going to be talking about, and it's parables for life. These are six parables that have uh, uh, implications for you. So we're going to look at these parables, and you're going to be able to discover principles in your life that will be will be able to help you to be better at the Christian life. And so that starts next week. Super excited about that. I want you guys to be uh, a part of, of all of those um, Sundays here at church. And so we're continuing the series, and this is on the book of Philippians. And we've been talking about the book of Philippians, and we've been talking about the Apostle Paul, and we've been talking about this letter uh, that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the church in Philippi. This is the first church that he ever started. Uh, you can read about it in Acts chapter 16, and this is actually a thank you letter. So the Apostle Paul is writing a thank you letter to a church that he established, and this church that he established was going through a lot of, of things because Philippi was actually a Roman colony, and there's a lot of retirement soldiers there. So they were, they were patriots. And so for them, following Jesus meant that they had to, re, they had to replace their alliance uh, to Rome and, and change, switch over their alliance to Jesus Christ. And so being a Christian in uh, that Roman colony was, was very, very difficult. And so Paul is writing this letter. He's writing it from prison. Uh, and he's writing this letter as a, as a thank you because they sent him a financial gift and he's, um, he's saying thank you. And so the man who, uh, do you guys remember the name of the man who sent the letter? Oh, good, Epaphroditus. That's great. So maybe you won't remember anything from what I preached, but Epaphroditus is a name that I will, I will give you a prize if you ever name your child Epaphroditus. That's a tough, that's a tough one. A lot of, uh, a lot of bullying you're, you're setting yourself up for there. Uh, but anyway, so he's, he sends this financial gift, and then he sends this thank you letter. He sends a thank you letter saying, thank you. Thank you for the financial gift that you uh, sent me. But in that letter, he's, uh, he's talking about different topics, and we've been unpacking four of those topics, and today we're going to unpack uh, number, number four. But the, 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 the line uh, of action in this whole letter, basically the, the premise of the whole letter, is this idea of how do I live my life, or he's saying how do you guys live your life in accordance to what Christ is. So we all want to tell the story of Jesus in the lives that we live. And so if you guys remember, uh, week one was lift your eyes, lift your eyes from the earth to Jesus, right? Lift up your eyes. Week two was be Christ-minded in your relationships. Last week, we talked about uh, let us live up to what we have already attained. We receive salvation, but we're called to live up to that salvation that we have received. And today, I want to talk about anxiety, anxiety. He says, anxious for nothing. This is the topic today. I want to talk about that. Anxious for nothing. He says, don't be anxious about about anything. And so I want to talk about that today. 
Because I think there are many people that are going through anxiety these days. And so I want to start off with a question. Um, have you ever been given an empty promise? Yes? Yeah, don't, don't point. Don't point. Just <laughs> lift your hand. Um, an empty promise? So I was told I was going to get Crocs for Father's Day, and I'm still waiting for them. Okay? You have one year. If it's next Father's Day, then it's too late. I was promised by my parents that they were going to take me to Europe. That never happened. It's financial issues. But anyway, they still never happened. I was told Santa was real. He's not, right? No kids here? Well, we'll leave, we'll leave, that, we'll leave that for interpretation. I was told that bad things never happen to good people. We don't like empty promises, right? But they're real. They're, they're empty promises happen all the time. And it's not a good, a good feeling when you get an empty promise. The problem is that in this world, we have empty promises all the time. When we look at advertising on TV, think about YouTube ads or TV ads. They're promising you something. This is going to happen, right? Think about a commercial where they're promoting a restaurant. Think about a commercial where they're, where they're promoting a vacation. Think about a, a commercial when they're, they're promoting a new car. What are you seeing in those commercials? You're seeing a few things. You're seeing people that are happy. You're seeing people that are fulfilled. You're seeing people that have whole lives, comfort, satisfaction, joy, the whole idea of, hey, get this one thing that you're missing in your life, and the result of you getting that thing is that you will finally have happiness, wholeness, satisfaction, all these things. You see, marketers, they, they tap into something that is very real that many people feel it's this emptiness inside. And so they'll make a promise that whatever it is that they're going to give you is going to fulfill this emptiness. So they know. They know that there's a desire that we all have. They know that there is a void, a lack, a want, that there's this, this empty space in our lives. So they're right about that much, that we all have it. In fact, the Bible teaches us something about this. The Bible talks about this emptiness, it does. It mentions the fact that, that there is this, this emptiness and this uh, Hebrew word that we've talked about in the past. There's this Hebrew word called shalom. And if I ask you what the shalom term means, you'll probably say, well, it, it means peace. It's like a greeting, right? But this, this Hebrew word shalom means much more than just peace. It means wholeness. It means completion. It means this whole idea of, oh, Finally, everything is where it should be. Imagine a, a puzzle that you're trying to put together, and you have that, that final piece, and you put that there. Boom. That's shalom. Imagine a door you're trying to get through, and, and you can't find the code, and, and you're trying to figure out the code, and you finally got it, and you push the button, and you're able to, to come through. Imagine a vase that's broken, Right? And it's broken in half, and you're trying to find the way to put it back together. And you finally put it together. Like, oh, that's, that's shalom. It's this whole idea of things are the way that they are meant to be. So the Bible teaches us that, that we had shalom at a, in a moment, our origin story, in Genesis. Things were good. Things were the way that they were supposed to be. The puzzle was complete. The, the vase was together. We were on the other side of that door that we're so hard, we're trying to get through, right? But the shalom was broken, right? So, so we, we, we sinned and we broke this community, this oneness that we had with God. So it's broken now. 
And so we live every day in that tension. You feel it. I feel it. There's this, there's this thing that's not quite right. We feel that in our relationships, the fears that we have, the guilt that we feel, collectively war, anger, injustice, illness, and ultimately death. It's like, it doesn't feel right. That's why when people pass away, it's like, there's something wrong here. This doesn't seem like it should be this way. So in consequence, everything that we do, consciously or unconsciously, we're living our lives, the things that we decide to do in life, we're, we're living our lives, no matter what we do, in order to, in a way, try to fill that gap. That emptiness that we feel, that's maybe why we come to church. Maybe that's why you want the best for your family. That's why you pray. That's why we have goals. That's why we're like, oh, man, if I only get that car that I so want or only go on that vacation that I want to be a part of, then finally I'll be able to feel that void to be able to be finally filled. So we talked about this already, but the marketplace knows we have that lack and their job is to promise that they will fulfill it. But it's also like, there's, there's one more step. So I get the car, and I'm like, huh, I wonder if it's something else. Oh, the yacht, right? Or one relationship. Oh, that relationship doesn't really fill me. So I'm going to stop with this one. I'm going to start with another one. But it's never quite right. You're never quite fulfilled. So the marketplace understands it, but they can't deliver it. They cannot deliver it. This world cannot deliver that that your heart desires. No one can. And so what I want to do today is I want to I present to you, propose to you, that, that this peace that we so desire is actually available. It's, it, it is actually available. We can access it. We can access this peace. But there are two ways of accessing it. You can access it the right way, and you can access it the wrong way. And the Bible talks about it. It says that there is, there is worldly peace. And then there's a peace that comes from Jesus. There's two roads. John 14, 27 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He says, I do not give you the peace that the world gives there's an empty promise of peace that comes from the world. That's why when you finally go to that restaurant that you thought was going to fulfill you, it's like, oh, it was great, but it's not what it was. The car, the vacation, right? It was, it was fun. It was great. But that void is still here. I still feel that void. That's the peace that comes from the world. But there's, there's another peace. I want to talk to you about this peace that comes from Jesus. That's what I want to present to you this morning, because maybe you're here this morning, and even if you're a Christian and we're participating here together, you have this thought in your mind, and this is the thought, only when, yeah, this, yes, it's, I understand, but man, hey, only when, fill in the blank, only when I retire, only when I get enough money in my savings, only when I find the perfect relationship only when, only when, only when. If you have that thought in your mind, that's what I want to talk to you about today because this will never be enough. And most of us know this, but here's the problem. 
Like this, I know this is not possibly new information. Like you know, you know about the void. You know that Jesus is going to fill the void. You know all that stuff. But here's the problem. The problem is that this idea of the peace that comes from the world, that idea is not just in the world. That idea can creep itself into church. And it can creep itself in. And and this whole idea of, of presenting a peace that is masqueraded like it's the peace that comes from Jesus, but the reality is that that is not the peace that comes from Jesus. That is the same peace that comes from the church, but we're using Jesus as an excuse because we're saying Jesus will take me to the place where I can get the thing that my heart desires. I'll explain it this way. We do this by using Jesus as our vehicle to get what our flesh desires. I'll talk about this here in a little bit. Maybe you're here and you're saying, well, all you have to do is just do what the Bible says. And then that's, that's, you're good to go. Just read the Bible and then just do what the Bible says. And that's true. But having the proper interpretation of the scriptures as you, as you read the scriptures, that you can, you can read it and you can understand the, the, the bigger context of what's happening here. And I'm going to give you just one example. You see, we can use out-of-context scriptures to bring in worldly peace that is disguised as the peace that comes from Jesus. I'm going to give you, as an example, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. This is a very popular verse. It says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Just read that verse. I love that verse, man. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. So you read that and like, hey, if Jesus is with me, then I can do it all because I have Jesus in my life. Since I have God and his strength, that means that there's nothing that I cannot do if Christ is with me, with Christ. And you can get excited about it. Like this will preach. You, will, you can preach this and people will get excited. If Christ is with you, you can do anything. Whatever is in your heart to do, if Christ is with you, you can do anything. You are unstoppable. God is my vehicle to get what I want. God is my vehicle to get more money. God is my vehicle to get that dream vacation. God is my vehicle to get the promotion. God is my vehicle to success in life. And when you reach this, then you will finally have the peace that you're looking for. I was waiting for an amen. It's probably good that I did not get one. That is, the, that, is, that is not only not what the verse is saying, but it's actually saying the exact opposite. That's why context is so crucial. On, on week one of the summer sessions, we're going to have Greg Green here. I'll talk to you about that on July the 19th. He's going to be talking about very important biblical interpretation tools. But if you zoom out from the text and you read it, For what it actually is just saying, just read it. This is Paul, he's saying this, from prison, he's writing, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this. What is he saying? What is the this that he is referring to? He's referring to being content. He's saying, if I succeed 
or if I fail, if I have plenty or if I am in want, if I am hungry or if I am well fed. He says, Christ is the one who gives me the strength to be okay in the middle of unpredictable circumstances. It's basically what he's saying. Like circumstances change, but in Christ, I can be okay. This I can do through Christ who gives me strength, which is very different than with Christ, I am unstoppable. Got messed with me. I got Christ on my side. No. I mean, he does. He is with you all the time. But he will help you in every circumstance. Now, just as a side note, I'm a huge advocate for having goals. Staff knows this. I'm a dreamer. You know, I want to... I have goals. I have physical goals, personal goals. I have educational goals, family goals. I have goals in my life. And I think that that is a good thing, that we all have, have goals. As long as we understand that if we achieve these goals or we don't achieve these goals, it doesn't matter. That void is still going to be there unless Christ fills it. So I want to I believe that even if I fail in everything that I have set myself out to do, that I will be okay because I already have someone Christ, who already won for me. See, the bottom line is this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the only one that can deliver it because he's the only one that possesses it. You go anywhere else and you will be left wanting. You see, using Christ as a vehicle to get what you want, that is the essence of the prosperity gospel. It's a, it's a man-centered gospel which is no gospel at all, by the way. So the question now becomes, how do we get this peace that comes from Jesus? How do we get it? John chapter 16, verse 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. You will have trouble. He's promising it. Now you may have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world so I grew up believing that if you follow Jesus, he will bring you to a place where you will have peace. In other words, I don't have peace now. Jesus is here. He will grab you and he will take you to a place where now you have peace. That's not what, it's, that's not what it says. It's not what it says. Jesus is saying, in me. He's saying, I'm it. I am the peace that you look for. Not I am the person who will take you to the peace that you're looking for. He's saying, it is me. I am the guy. Have you ever looked for a, a pen and it's right in your ear, right? It's like, oh, it was here the whole time. Okay, that is the same thing with Jesus. He's not your vehicle toward peace. He is your peace. The problem is that we get the timeline wrong. You think that, sometimes we think that that peace will be available when something happens, right? And then Jesus will make that thing happen for you and then you'll have the peace. He's saying no. No, it's not what Jesus gives you. That is still worldly peace that has snuck itself into, into the church. Jesus is saying, you don't have to wait. He's saying the kingdom of God is available now. He says, it's at hand. If you keep waiting for something in the future to bring you peace, you will be waiting eternally. The peace that Jesus offers is not based on something that we are waiting to see happen, but something that already happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. We need to stop looking to the future and, stop, and start looking to the finished work of Jesus. Jesus is the source of all peace. 
And it is Christ that gives us that strength to endure this life that 100% will have ups and will have downs. He's the one you need to cling to, not the circumstances. And I understand there will come a day, the Bible tells us, where there, there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears, the earth will no longer be in, in birth pains as we can feel right now. Uh, that things, there'll come a day when things come into perfect balance, well, where evil will, will be gone. That, that is true. And that is hope for humanity. But for us now, we have, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have access to this peace right now. It is available now. That's why the good news is not the kingdom is coming, but the kingdom is here. It is here now. The kingdom is, of heaven is at hand. It's, it's among you. It's in your midst. It's accessible. You can, you can access it now. We keep waiting for something else to happen. You can live it now. If all Jesus ever does for you is what he already did for you on the cross, that should be enough to give us everything that we need. That's it. And whatever he does for you, because he blesses us, even on top of the salvation that he's given us, he, he blesses us on top of that. But those blessings aren't our right. They are a blessing in overabundance. This is what Paul is trying to convey. I'm going to go back to Philippians chapter 1. We talked about this on the first week. He says, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, it says this, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, will this mean fruitful labor for me? Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. What is he saying? He's saying, if I live, I'm good. If I die, I'm good. He was good. He had peace. He wasn't depending on anything to happen in his life. He's like, if I die, I get to be with Christ. If I live, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. He wasn't expecting anything more than what he already have. That's the peace that you want. That's the peace that we ultimately seek, that it is, that it is masqueraded as other things that the world has to offer, but the ultimate thing is what Paul is talking about here. Like, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine because Christ is with me. Nothing else needed to happen because what needed to happen had already happened, has already happened for us 2,000 years ago. And what's true for Paul is, should be true for all of us here today. It's here. It's now. It's available so I'm going I'm to end with this here this morning. Because maybe you're here and, and all this makes sense to you in your mind. Like, yes, I understand. It's here now. Jesus died for it. And that peace, we can access it now. Maybe you understand that. But, but you don't feel it. You don't feel it. So I want to ask if you could, um, if, if you have ever suffered anxiety or depression or you know someone who has suffered anxiety or depression? Just raise your hand real quick. I just want to see. Okay, that's most of you. This is, this is a, real, a real problem. And Paul tells us here, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? Because everything that we need in Christ, we already have. So I, wanna, I want for the Holy Spirit to... to 
to let that sink into your heart right now. That everything that you need in Christ, you already have. You see, the beautiful thing is that Paul doesn't just leave it at that. He continues. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read it again. We read it at the beginning. He's telling this church, and he's, just think about this. He's writing from prison. He's in jail. And he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he's giving us really kind of two steps here. Number one is be grateful. Be grateful. Every morning, when you wake up in the morning, just count your blessings. Just start thinking about all the things that God has blessed you. Just start with gratitude. Start your day with, with thank you for my family. Thank you that I have a place to live. Thank you that I have food. Just start, start with that. Start there. And then after that, after you've established a foundation of gratitude, then present your request to God. The thing that's weighing you down, you present it to him. But, but you see, there's a difference between presenting something and just lifting up a prayer. Presenting something is you, you take that thing and you leave it at the feet of Jesus. The problem is some of us will, will take that thing that's weighing us down and then we'll be here, we'll pray, and then we'll go back to that thing and we'll put it right back on our shoulders and then keep going. That's not what presenting means. First Peter chapter 5, uh, the apostle Peter talks about casting your anxieties onto Christ because he cares for you. It's casting. It's like you're throwing, like Peter was a fisherman, so I imagine he's thinking about the net, right? He's throwing out the net. And he's like, not, not much more that I can do other than wait, right? That's what we're called to do with our anxieties, the things that are in our heart. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. Your, your relationship that, are, that you're struggling with right now, leave it at the feet of Jesus. The addiction that you can't seem to shake, leave it at the feet of Jesus. The, that habit that is still haunting you, leave it at the feet of Jesus. The, 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 the legalism, the obsession with money, the obsession with success, all these things that are weighing you down, you leave those at the feet of Jesus. Literally, I'm leaving it. It's, it's, it's your problem now. That is not disrespectful. God, is, God wants that. He wants to take that. He wants to give you that peace. But we have to leave these things at the feet of Jesus. And then here comes the promise, right? So then there's a promise that, that Paul is talking about, that Jesus makes. And the promise is not, I'm going to answer all the prayers that you asked for. That's not the promise. He's not saying that. He says, I will give you peace. I will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what he'll give you. And honestly, that is ultimately what every prayer is about. You think you're praying about this or that. No, what you're praying is, is for you to have peace. And God promises it. He will give it to you. He will give it to you. If you cast your anxieties on him, if you present your request, he will give you peace, which is ultimately what we all want. And essentially, it's Jesus saying, I'm, I'm, I'm in control, I'm here. So I'm going to... I'm going to end with this. If we could uh, maybe just close our eyes here for a minute, and I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to pray. Um, 
We'll close our eyes and bow our heads. Some of you here need to present something to God. You're having a hard time with this right now, and I get it. Some of you guys are ready to give up. But God is telling you right now, to some of you, maybe a lot of you, this is what I'm asking you to do now. You know, one of the hardest things that my mom ever had to do was hand me over to God. See, I was a rebellious kid. I did a bunch of things that just gave my parents headaches. My mom would pray for me so often. But the, the biggest step that my mom ever took was hand me over to God. She's like, he's your problem. And he dealt with me. Maybe there's something here today that you need to give over to God. You see, giving up something is realizing that you're not in control ultimately. So I want to invite you to do that today. You need to give something over, present this request, cast the anxiety on him. And so this is something that you're struggling with right now, you need help with. I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and put it right back down. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. 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 So Lord God, I, I pray for all the hands that were raised this morning. Lord God, I pray that you will allow for them to be able to truly cast their anxiety on you and present their request to you and that they'll be able to walk away from it. Sometimes this is a process. Sometimes it's not just one moment, but it's this whole idea, Lord God, of understanding that you're ultimately in control and that you're a good God and that ultimately everything's going to be okay. So I, I pray for this this morning. I pray for everyone who's here that you will allow for all of us to just understand that you're in control and that you love us and that you're here in this moment with us. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.